Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. everyone, welcome to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your host, Ugo Chai. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Personally, I'm very excited uh, because of the guest that I'm having today. We are interviewing a photographer that I got to know on Clubhouse. And if you haven't heard about Clubhouse, is this uh, new social media or a mobile app where you can uh, really meet interesting people and start new conversations. So I got to know a bunch of people since I started using Clubhouse and uh, I decided to, to interview them uh, to, to be a guest on the show. Uh, Clubhouse is, uh, is all about shared interests and uh, I've been uh, uh, attending rooms where there are conversations about photography and travel photography specifically. Actually, me together with my friends, uh, Ralph Velasco and Kev Dadfar, are doing a regular clubhouse room every Friday about travel photography. Uh, we also have a club there. It's called the Travel Photo Exchange. So follow us there every Friday at 5 p.m. GMT. Translate that to your uh, time zone if you want. We're having a conversation about uh, travel photography. So be sure to follow us there and join us there if you're on clubhouse. If you're not on clubhouse, why not uh, consider joining because... It's really cool. It's where all the cool kids are. And one of the, the people that I got to, to meet there is really a cool kid. Well, she's not actually a kid anymore, but she's pretty young. She's an aspiring uh, uh, travel photographer, aspiring to be more of a commercial photographer from England. Uh, please uh, join me in welcoming Charlotte Brett. Hi, Charlotte. How are you doing today? Hello, Ugo. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, at the good. end of a pretty long work day, getting ready for some beer, maybe and some rest. <laughs> it's uh, 6 p.m. here, but um, still uh, gearing up for uh, interviewing you and asking questions about your photography and your travels. I know you're passionate about photography, about traveling. I watched your, uh, I looked at your uh, your photos, your portfolio, really. Some really exciting places you've been to. But would you like to, to tell uh, our listeners a bit more about yourself? Of course, yes. Yeah. So, uh, as you mentioned, I'm based in England. I live just outside London, on the, the kind of outskirts of London, but within the M25, for those of you uh, that are familiar from England. Um, so, it's really handy for me to get to central London, which, you know, it's great for photography up there to photograph the city. But um, I can also uh, travel south and get quite easily to the Kent and Sussex coastlines. So it's, it's you know, a good place to be to have that nice balance of um, being able to enjoy the hustle and bustle of the city, but then be able to get away from it all uh, <laughs> when I want to. Um, I originally grew up in the northwest of England, so up there in the hills. So, uh, you know, whenever I can, I, I get back up there as well. And just, you know, I really enjoy seeing different parts of the UK. Have you been to Dorset? I remember Dorset was one, one of my last visits to England for photography. 
was to, to mm -hmm. Dorset. Do you know that area? Yeah, Dorset's beautiful. It's got the Jurassic Coast, which yeah. is very popular with photographers. There's some, you know, really good photographers based down there. And, you know, they can get to this amazing coastline really, really easily. Um, Durdle Door, which I think became uh, quite a well-known feature last year, at least in England, because when our lockdown ended, it was one of those destinations that, you know, people from London and not too far away could uh, could get there. So um, I'm sure lots of people listening will have will have heard of the Dorset coast, but it's beautiful for anyone that gets a chance to visit. I actually have a photo right here. I mean, for people who are just listening to the podcast, they cannot see it. And even if you're watching the video here, it's right outside the frame. But I've got a picture from the lighthouse. I believe it was in Poole. It's a beautiful lighthouse. Beautiful uh, day, so that's one of my favorite pictures from Dorset. Uh, anyway, uh, when we we were preparing this interview, you told me that your love for photography was ignited when you uh, you did a trip years ago to Iceland. You wanted to tell us about how that turned out. Yeah, that's right. So uh, this was really before I had really picked up a camera. And I was going to Iceland with the geography class at school. And my mum decided, my mum is a, is a keen photographer. She always has been. And she sent me on the trip with her film compact camera. This was back in 2003. So it was just before digital, really. It was kind of the final days of film. So off I went on the trip with this, uh, this small camera and as you know, for those that have been to Iceland or seen pictures from Iceland, it's a stunning place, um, you know, really unique uh, ge geology and geography. And, you know, I, I took as many photographs as I could with this film camera, really enjoyed just capturing, you know, the scenery that I could see. And when I got home, I obviously had to get the film developed. And the the school then put on a, a little photography competition for those of us that had been on the trip. And I, I ended up winning that competition. So I thought at that point, oh, may, maybe I'm quite good at photography. Maybe I'm going to follow in my mum's footsteps. And, uh, you know, since then, I haven't been able to put a camera down, really. It's, you know, I just love photographing the UK landscape. And as we'll, we'll come on to discuss all these amazing places that I've had the opportunity to visit. Uh, over the the last few years, um, so you know my camera is always with me when I'm traveling, and I just just love capturing kind of the unique landscapes and cities as well of the places that I that I've visited. Congratulations to your mom for sending you to Iceland in uh, 18 years ago, when it was probably not as uh, popular with photographers as is it now. It's probably maybe even too popular right now. I guess the, those mm. places were not as crowded with tripods. All over the place you got you got it maybe not all to yourself but you might have gotten some unique images that at, at least at the time they were probably unique <laughs> maybe not so not so much more <laughs> that's right it was it was pretty quiet there but um you know for those in the photography world it's just one of those destinations that you know people go on workshops to and people visit all the year rounds to you know to to get images with the snow or without the snow and capture the northern lights so it's it's just one of those magical destinations that i think will always be at you know the top of the list for photographers to go to what time of the year was that that was october 
So we did see the Northern Lights. Yeah, dark enough. It's amazing. To see the Northern Lights. Yeah, cool. Mm. That that's on my bucket list again. I'd love to to go to Iceland sooner or later. I was actually thinking of going this year, but yeah, you know <laughs> what happened. Who knows? <laughs> um, now, speaking, speaking of this year, well, 2020, for the, for the most part, uh, we could not really travel anywhere. I did some, some trips to it. Staying within the, the borders of Italy, I guess you had to stay within the borders of the UK. How did you keep your love for photography burning? Uh, what, what did you turn your attention to, considering you could not go to either Iceland or any one of those places that we are going to, to mention soon? Yeah, so we obviously, a year ago, we uh, we went into the first lockdown and I think everyone was was quite scared of the virus and everyone was probably quite relieved to be staying indoors and staying at home. Um, but then in the UK, um, the restrictions started to lift around July. So over the summer and autumn, um, I was able to get to quite a few places in the UK because, you know, by, by that time, you know, I was desperate to uh, to have a change of scenery. So um, I was fortunate to uh, to visit. I did get to Dorset, actually, speaking of Dorset, although it was a weekend when we had a storm here in the UK. So it pretty much rained the whole time, which wasn't which wasn't ideal for photography. Um, but I also managed to get to uh, Norfolk which uh, for those that don't know the, uh, the English landscape, we've got the Norfolk Broads. So it's kind of waterways um, and windmills, which are, which are really pretty. Um, and then just, you know, trying to, to get around the southeast as well. So down to the coast uh, nearby as well, around an hour away. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to photograph just in England. Uh, I know I love London personally and just, going outside a bit of the natural landscapes, but I know we both also love cityscapes and photographing people. And to mm -hmm. me, London is definitely one of the most stimulating places on earth for, uh, for photography, for street photography, landscape, cityscape photography, uh, all those kind of things. It's, uh, it's a lovely place. And yeah, Dorset. Uh, I would love to go to the Lake District. I've not been there. Or the Peak District. I heard great, great things about that so there's plenty to to see there got a couple of friends over there in uh, northumberland they say that the mm -hmm. coastline there is really beautiful so plenty to see even without leaving your country yeah northumberland is somewhere i, I would like to get to as well i've been to uh, the lake district and the peak district in fact i i also got to both of those places last year as well um but yeah northumberland is is another i think the english landscape is it might not be too dramatic, but it's quite diverse with our coastlines and our countryside and the woodlands. So it's, um, yeah, do, if you if you get a chance to come, do come and, and see all, you know, the Peak District and the Lake District and Northumberland because um, so there's just lots of variety there. Another area of England that I loved was the, the Wiltshire. I went to uh, Salisbury, see the cathedral. Mm -hmm. I got a couple of nice photos of that. I discovered this um, a nice uh, stone circle in Avebury. Have you ever been there? Mm. No, I haven't. No? But I, I know I know which one you mean. Actually, it's pretty. I mean, it's it's a it's a 
pretty small stones, well, relatively small, it's actually pretty big, but the stones themselves are not very tall. I mean, if you compare to a place like Stonehenge, right, mm, which is mm -hmm. really imposing, it's much more um, intimate and quiet. But when I went there, I was completely alone. I cannot imagine going to Stonehenge and being there by myself, but I went to Avebury <laughs> and I was just there by myself. I could stay there for one hour and shoot all of those stones from various angles under different lights. So that, that's an area that I really loved. Uh, I would love to go to the Cotswolds. They, they tell me that's mm -hmm. another beautiful area. So I should go back to England one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know. Come and say hello. <laughs> sure, I, I'd love to. Um, outside of England, I mean, when you we could you could still travel. Uh, you want to to tell us a little bit about the, the trips you had. You sent me a few pictures from from your from your trips, but just uh, I will just let you. Tell us what were your favorite uh, trips and what were the highlights of those trips? Sure, yeah. So I think for my photography background, obviously starting off, you know, in Iceland, a lot of my work is uh, landscapes and, and cityscapes as well. But what I've found over recent years is going to places like Morocco and Cuba, which, you know, they're full of colour and detail. You know, if you're wandering around, you know, the Medina or the Souk in, in Fez or Marrakesh, you can, you can get completely lost. And it's, it's quite overwhelming because there's, there's so many objects there to photograph, um, you know, from stalls with leather sandals and terracotta pots. Um, and in Cuba as well, the colour and, and the people, you know, it's, it's such an amazing culture to experience. So I've found that as I've been traveling, as well as wanting to capture the bigger landscapes, I've, you know, I've, I've developed an eye for, you know, for looking for detail and capturing detail as well. So I just, you know, love being just kind of immersed in, in a place and just really get to get a feel for it and get to know it. Um, one of the places I went to a few years ago uh, was China. And we knew we wanted to visit, say we, it's my husband and I, I'm very fortunate that he, he has a passion for seeing the world just like I do. Um, so when we, when we were planning our trip to China, we knew that we wanted to go to Shanghai and see, you know, the huge, you know, skyscrapers there and, and also Beijing as well and, and the Forbidden City and, and the Great Wall. Um, but when we were looking into China, a bit more, you know, so it's a vast country. And we discovered this place called Guilin, which is, it's, it's a rural area of China. And it's got a wonderful landscape. It's got um, these limestone cast mountains that just rise up straight from the floor. And, you know, they're, they're huge. Uh, you can't, you know, until you're standing on top of one, you can't really appreciate how big they are when you're just looking down into the valley below and um, on that trip because obviously <laughs> from from someone from England it's uh, thinking of China and traveling around China on your own is quite a you know a daunting prospect so we booked on a, a photo tour so that I would be able to easily capture some iconic views from that area and as part of that, we got to spend some time with one of the cormorant fishermen, uh, who I believe is, uh, he's, he's known as Blackbeard. 
but uh, I'm sure that's not his his real name. But uh, he was he was a really great character, and as part of the photo tour, I had the privilege of uh, of meeting him and photographing him on his bamboo raft with his cormorants, um, which you know even uh, you know, it's it's really just for show now because the technology has moved on that the they no longer use the bamboo rafts. They um, they have motorised boats and, and fishing techniques now, so it's kind of a redundant fishing method. But it was it was really great to to see and to meet him and, and get to know some you know something about the local traditions there. That that was one of the kind of amazing experiences. Yeah, uh, I know we we discussed this um, this particular subject, and you sent me a photo, a beautiful photo of that subject. We discussed it uh, before the interview, and we found that we kind of share the same opinion about that, that type of subject, right? We know that it's it's set up, it's been photographed a million of times. Um, it's really difficult to find something original there, but I kind of believe that originality is overrated. And of course, we don't we do travel photography, but we don't pretend to be doing reportage to photograph something unique something that is true, quote-unquote. And for the most part, I believe that we take those photos because uh, we take them for ourselves. We take them for preserving a memory of our time there. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Even though some people would say, oh, that's those type of images are, we've seen them already, it's set up, uh, it's, fake, move on, let's let's find something else. But, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why some iconic subjects are iconic because they're beautiful and there's nothing wrong, I believe, with, with taking photos of them for ourselves, if not for somebody else. What do, what do you think? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like you say, it's, it's documenting that way, you know, that tradition and that, that way of life, which... Um, you know, if, if you're right, we all want to get that iconic shots. And just because it's it's been shot before by several other photographers, I think we're all a bit the same, really. We all want to have our own take on, on a particular image and uh, and capture it for ourselves. So I think, like you say, it was staged and, you know, it was almost like photographing a model in a way. But, um, you know, for me, it was just great to to have that experience and to meet him and see him. And um, and get my own photographs of of that area with you know the the majestic mountains behind and and just within that scenery. So um, yeah, I'm I'm all for shooting iconic images because <laughs> I I just really enjoy um, capturing those yeah the, those wonderful images. That, and it's that a beautiful image. Get. Your 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 specific photo of that subject is a beautiful photo. The light is beautiful. The, the composition is good. I mean, with those mountains in the back, you. A lot of context there, so definitely a successful image. So I think you you did the right thing there. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Going all the way to that place and even seeing that place with your own eyes, it must be amazing, right? The, the, yeah, yeah. I'm standing behind the camera. Yeah, I think you know, viewing an image like that, you may have seen it before, but actually, as you say, standing there and experiencing it and being amongst that scenery, it's it's. You know, that's what I'm trying to transport the viewer to, 
to be where I was standing behind the camera and, and see what I was seeing. So uh, hopefully that comes across. Which is the essence of travel photography. We want to mm. transport the viewer with us to, to those places. So, yeah. Another one of your photos that I really love is this one of a lady uh, sitting beside an open window. I don't know if it was in China or Vietnam or somewhere else. That one was China, China. so that was part of the same trip. So um, it's near to the rice terraces, mm -hmm. the long, now forgive me, I might not say this right, the Longji, Longji rice terraces or Dragon's Backbone, I think it's also called. Um, so again, this was another experience which if I hadn't have arranged the tour, I possibly wouldn't have had on my trip to China. So we spent a few hours in, you know, the really um, pleasant company of, of these two um, well, elderly couple, uh, a man and a lady, a husband and wife. And uh, they invited us into their home and we took a, you know, a small gift for them as a kind of token of our appreciation. And uh, it was just amazing to go into one of these traditional wooden houses. It was on stilts. There were pigs living in the space underneath the living area. Um, we kind of heard every now and then. And we just spent a couple of hours with them. And even with the language barrier, it was, it was such an, a nice time to get to know them and see what they would normally do just on you know, a, a normal afternoon for them, um, how they would, they would yeah, just, just spend their, their life there. Um, and I, I'm trying to think, she, she had this big basket and she used to kind of separate the rice mm -hmm. with this big basket. So again, just seeing the traditions that, you know, they, they had there, which I think if we'd have just visited Shanghai and Beijing and, and just, you know, done walking tours or whatever, we just wouldn't have had that same experience to, to really get to understand uh, the culture, and particularly in China as well, as I said, it's such a vast country. So there are several parts of the country that are so different to one another um, and different ways of life from, you know, the city to the countryside. So it was just another aspect of, of the trip to China that, that just just gave, you know, another element to seeing what the country was about. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was really enjoyable. Cool. Uh, on another topic, uh, I know you're uh, trying to break into commercial photography uh, to make an, an extra income. I know you have a, a real job, as they call it, <laughs> but you're also trying to, <laughs> to, be, to be successful commercially with your photography and, and you're exploring various avenues. Do you want to, to tell us more about it? What are you trying to do in terms of uh, selling your photos or what are your your approach to um, making money with photography. Mm. Yeah, so at the moment, as you say, I have my nine to five job, which sadly isn't photography or it isn't yet photography. So, uh, but it pays for my travel. So I can't, can't complain really. It, it keeps me, you know, able to, to travel to these amazing places at the moment. So, um, so I work as, as a lawyer here in England um, you don't get to photograph witnesses or the trial. <laughs> <laughs> the no, the crime scene. I don't, I'm, I don't think, yeah, <laughs> forensic <laughs> photography, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, recently, well, I, I found I've, 
over the years, you know, five years or so of of being, as I say, these places, China, Morocco, Cuba, Ecuador, um, the Seychelles as well was just before the pandemic. So I've I've built up a nice portfolio of of images from um, some very different parts of the world. And I was approached just, you know, by chance, really, a few weeks ago by a uh, photo stock library that specialises in travel images. And that's uh, an agency called Four Corners Images. And they were really keen to work with me, um, having viewed my work. So I've just jumped on board with them to uh, hopefully, um, you know, get my work uh, a bit more well known in the industry. Um, so we will we will see where that goes, I guess. Um, because, you know, stock photography, it's a very... I, I've known about stock photography before, but... Um, it hadn't really been something I've considered, but now I know a little bit about it. Um, I think it's, you know, and the, the types of, of clients as well that that um, purchase images through particularly a high-end stock agency like Four Corners Images. Um, I'm, ju- I'm just starting to get an understanding of, of how that could work. And uh, it might, you know, act as a, as a springboard to help me... Um, consider you know doing more with photography in future and and just getting my work and my name you know more more familiar yeah, we should do the best uh, of success with that i know it's uh, it's difficult stock photography nowadays is uh, it's probably well definitely not what it used to be right there's so so many people with mm. cameras and so many people traveling that has a, a huge uh, i mean the, the offer definitely overstrips the demand in uh, in many genres so you, you mm. definitely need to find some uh, maybe some niche or some uh, angle to to your photos that will allow you them to stand out and find uh, the, the right market the right the right audience for them that's uh, i think that the, the secret to to getting some commercial success i kind of bit given up on stock photography it was just too much work for me to keep updating my stock library <laughs> for in in the end, yeah. the the income there was uh, dwindling, and I said, "Well, spend all the effort in shooting photos." Well, shooting photos is the fun part, the fun part, but then catalog- mm-hmm. cataloging them, tagging them, uh, uploading, and and so on. I said, oh, just, uh, "I'll I'll just I just let it slide." And but you know who knows? I mean, there's still uh, even so. I believe that the offer definitely. Uh, outweighs the, the demand there's still a demand and the demand is growing it's not going away more and more people and companies uh, want photos um, i want photos myself because sometimes i want to publish content articles or videos about uh, places in the world where i've not been to or maybe where i've been to but i didn't get the photo that i wanted because uh, the light conditions were not what what I wanted, so I sometimes I will just use some stock photos because I don't have uh, one of my own. So there's, the demand is there; you just need to find it. Mm-hmm. I believe. Mm, sure. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it will be a learning experience for me. Um, so we will, you know, we will see where it goes. But you know, photography for me, it will always be my passion, and I'm never going to stop traveling. So. No. You know, I'm always going to be looking for for new images, um, and you know, if if some of my work can sell, then you know that's that's a bonus, really. You know, just to 
to let as many people enjoy enjoy seeing my images as possible. Yeah, definitely. So uh, recently, uh, you started to get better known, and I got to know you through Clubhouse, which I mentioned at the beginning is this app. Do you want to, to tell us a little bit about your experience with Clubhouse? What did you find there, and why would you advise your friends and followers to to join you there? Mm, yeah, so Clubhouse is it's relatively new, uh, I think, for both of us, isn't it? So it's only I think it started in in the US about twelve months ago, and it's slowly opening up to other parts of the world. It's still in beta mode, so it's still being developed, and I think you can only join at the moment if you have an iPhone. But um, it's it's a great way to interact with people. For pe- for anyone that doesn't know, it's it's like an interactive podcast or you know a live conversation. And I think Ugo, you mentioned you can kind of join these different rooms that are talking about different topics. And the way I heard about Clubhouse is through Instagram, because I think there's an increasing community of photographers that use Clubhouse to share ideas, uh, insights, you know, their experience, and particularly with your travel exchange, you know, for me, in my position and where I am with my photography, that's that's been really invaluable over the last few weeks to join you and, and share in your, your uh, discussions about various topics, really, from the, you know, the monetization to storytelling, which I think you, uh, you discussed in your podcast recently with, with Cab. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just a great way to share ideas and it's a, it's a bit more personable than Instagram, which obviously photographers use on a daily basis to, to share their images and view the work of others. It just adds an extra dimension to getting to know someone and, and, you know, building up a separate community on there as well. But it's, it's not just for photographers, you know, I've, I've listened to conversations about travel and sustainability in travel as well you know how we can we can travel and and benefit the the environment and and conservation so there's lots of interesting topics on there and I think the more people join the more diverse it's it will become but it's it's a great tool I think um, for photographers particularly because, as I say, there is a building number of photographers that are using it. You, you said the word personable, and I believe that's the, the key in, uh, in Clubhouse because there's the only content that is, uh, is there is uh, live audio. And you can interact, you can talk to people, you can listen. Some rooms are for listeners. They just Maybe there's one speaker or a panel of speakers, but many rooms, they welcome uh, interaction, people asking questions, coming on the stage, to share their experience. This is what we do in our room, for example. And the thing that it's it's only about live audio, so you're actually talking to people, makes it much harder to hide behind some kind of persona, some kind of veil. We, we all know that on Instagram, of course, some people can be their true selves, but there's a lot of fake stuff on Instagram, influencers that are not what they pretend to be, or even on Facebook, Personally speaking, on Facebook, I'm kind of not using that anymore, especially because I, when I joined Facebook, uh, I did it recently, relatively recently, but I, I saw a lot of photography there. I saw a lot of good photography, also because I was coming from Google+, where I had grown uh, 
pretty large circle of photographers that I interacted with. So my stream there was mostly beautiful photos or people talking about photography and travel. I came to Facebook and it was because I selected my friends and so on. Most of it was, again, photography and travel. But now when I look at Facebook, it's the pandemic, vaccination, the American elections, the cat videos, dog gifs, uh, memes, uh, politics, uh, uh, gossip. Okay, it's, it's really boring for me. Whereas in Clubhouse, uh, you get these uh, interactions with real people, right? You get to talk to them. And it's much more difficult when to, to if you're a dog, right? Uh, this was a cartoon years ago, a comic about uh, uh, everybody being a dog in the internet and pretending to be somebody else. But you cannot, if you're a dog, you cannot pretend to be a human on Clubhouse. So the, the human voice is unmistakable sometimes. It's really hard to fake being somebody else. Your voice will, most of the time, will betray your true personality. If you're somebody that I can like, that I can have a conversation with, that can agree with or disagree, but it's, uh, that human connection is, is really good. And I'm building connections, discovering people that I didn't know before. So I like it because of that. Yeah, I, th I think I'm the same. It just gives you a you know a better way to get to know someone. And you know, on Instagram, maybe we you know we comment you know on images by other people, and we kind of get to interact with people that way. But um, I think, like you say, is having that you know that that converse an actual conversation with someone. It just gives you a, a, you know a better way of getting to know someone and what they are about. So when we will be finally able to travel and we will not be stuck at home spending so much time on Clubhouse. <laughs> where, where is your next destination? <laughs> where would you like to go? Let's say you have complete freedom to go anywhere tomorrow and you pick up a, a spot on the globe and tell us where you would like to go and why. <laughs> that's, the, that's a very tough one. Um, so last year I had booked a trip to Israel and Jordan to see Petra as well, which would have been amazing. I know it, Petra is such an Instagrammable place to photograph. Um, but it's it, again, it's another one of those iconic shots that, you know, so many photographers just want to, to get for themselves to, to put in their portfolio. Um, but unfortunately, that was cancelled. That was meant to be in June last year. Um, so I don't know whether, whether that would be my first place. It, it might still be at the top of the list. Um, but in terms of, you know, where I would want to go absolutely in the world at the moment, I think it, whether I'll get there, I probably won't for years and years, but um, it would have to be New Zealand. Um, I see so many stunning shots from, from New Zealand and particularly the South Island as well from, you know, the, the mountains of uh, the Milford Sound and the coast there as well. So um, that's definitely, uh, you know, probably my, my top destination on my bucket list. But as I say, who knows when, when it will happen, but hopefully yeah, one day. I wanted to go to New Zealand so badly for, for a number of years. Now I probably will not because I'm angry with the Kiwis. Because the, the finals <laughs> of the America's Cup were a few days ago and they defeated us. Us Italians, we had an Italian boat in the finals there after that seven, 27 years, I don't remember. And they they beat us. So I'm angry with the Kiwis. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> they're the best sailors in the world. <laughs> so it's just okay that we lost with them. Anyway, just kidding. No, I would love to go to New Zealand. Actually, one of my my dream uh, trip would be to just uh, hop all the way across Asia and and in New Zealand. So I want to go badly go back to Turkey, for example. I would love to go back to Israel and Jordan again. I mean, if you go to Petra, yes, definitely it's a very Instagrammable, iconic place. Uh, you can find lots of people there. There's a couple of uh, uh, viewpoints, there are a couple of spots like the, the, the treasury and the monastery, which are the two main best preserved monuments. Mm -hmm. Think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? Um, and with people on camels and those kind of things. But there's a, a ton of stuff in Petra. It's a huge archaeological site with very a lot of those tombs that are not as photographed. So maybe for your stock library, you want something different, just um, mm. think of those. And also, I remember in, in Petra, I took a lot of photos of just rock formations. There are some rocks with layers with different colors that are really beautiful. And I just went for the details there. That, that was okay. one of my favorite pictures from Petra. After I got bored of shooting all those monuments with tourists and camels, just focusing on those details that was uh, that was amazing so and then go i want to go back to oman i've been there a couple of times then maybe i'll hope to china from the sorry to india which I've, I've never been to maybe myanmar if we can go there if the situation there stabilizes a bit uh, vietnam again another country i've not been to uh, and then maybe hope down to indonesia again I love that place, but it's so big that I've only been there for a couple of weeks. I need to see more from there, maybe to Australia and then to New Zealand. That would be my dream trip. Very ambitious, but I guess. Yeah, it I guess sounds we can amazing. Dream. It sounds an amazing. It would take trip. me six months probably <laughs> to go there and go back if I ever come back. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, sure. Uh, love having this conversation with you. Uh, people will uh, find more about you now that you've been here and you've uh, your, our listeners have been able to to hear it from from your words how much you love uh, traveling and photographing the world and uh, and its people uh, would you like to uh, tell them where they can find you or you have a website instagram profile yeah sure just to say thank you for, for having me as well it's it's been a pleasure to uh, to to you know discuss all these of wonderful you know experiences that I've had uh, with you and get to share them with your audience as well um, if you anyone listening would like to see any more of my work you can go to my website at www.charlottebrettphotography.co.uk um, and I'm also on Instagram as well which is I would say I, I post my most recent work but at the moment that's been slightly limited by the pandemic um, but hopefully when things start to open up again I'm hoping to, to get out to photograph the bluebells in a few weeks so uh, you might see some some shots uh, coming on there soon of, of the bluebells um, and my Instagram account is Charlotte Brett Photography. B-R-E-T-T -T, right? <laughs> okay, so awesome. Really love this conversation. I hope maybe we can repeat it again when you come back from one of your future trips, be it to Israel and Jordan or New yeah. Zealand. We can uh, 
have a look at your photos from yeah there. that would be good hopefully in a few months from now not too far out in the future we all hope no okay fingers crossed. so thanks again for being with us have the best evening and goodbye thank you Hugo. bye